Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. Well, I hope that you met someone, um, and if I don't know you or you don't know me, my name's Derek, and I would love to get to know you. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and man, I get um, the honor of introducing our teacher today. Uh, we have a guest teacher who's been here before, and you guys already love him. So his name is Josh Garrett, and I've known Josh uh, for like 24 years I think I was trying to do the math earlier. I've known Josh since he's in high school, but here's, here's the funny story with Josh. Josh and I have known each other for over two decades, but he's someone that I know very well and, and don't know his name very well. All right. Here's why I have to think about his name because Josh has had the nickname big dirty since he was an early teenager, and I won't get into the details of how he became Big Dirty, but it has to do with him accidentally wandering into a women's restroom, uh, quickly leaving. I mean, I, he wasn't there very long, but after that moment, he has eternally become Big Dirty in our lives. So um, I want you guys to give a big, dirty Peak City welcome to Josh Gare. So come on up. Yeah, Uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, so good to be at Peak City. This is definitely like a home away from home for me. I love the opportunity to hang out with you guys. And if you need more details to the story, I promise it's not nearly that bad. So don't ever listen to Derek or Big T or Petey, whatever they say. Ignore it, always know. Hey, let me pray for us and then let's jump in. Uh, Father, we're grateful, grateful for your word and just grateful for who you are, God, grateful for, God, what you're doing in this place this morning already, God, we feel your spirit here and just so grateful. Father, I pray right now you give us ears to hear your word, uh, Father, and not just ears to hear, God, but a will, a will to live out and do the things, Father, you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, author Greg Boyle says, if you don't make a home for your own wound within, you will always despise the wounded. If you don't make a home for your own wound within, you will always despise the wounded. I had the honor and privilege of being a pastor in Louisiana for about uh, seven years, and I had the opportunity to shepherd some of the most broken and vulnerable people in our society, folks who were cast off and put away, people that we walk past and ignore all of the time. The majority of our church uh, consisted of people who either were homeless or were experiencing extreme poverty. And so I learned really, really quickly that what I had studied in school and all the books that I had read weren't going to cut it. Like I was, I needed something deeper. I needed a deeper level. You see, I needed the people that we interacted with on a weekly basis to know a couple things. And number one, that I saw them. And number two, that not only did I see them, I was trying to offer them the same healing that I had once experienced my own self from the Jesus that I was proclaiming would provide them healing. You see, and until I was able to really come to grips, really with my own brokenness, my own wounds within, would I ever be able to pastor people who were caring 
these wounds and were trapped by these wounds that were either done to them, maybe in childhood or done by them, sometimes on a weekly and daily basis. Because see what happens, church, and I'm talking to church people. So if you've been in church for a while, if you, this is not new to you, this I think falls on us a lot. You see, I think we forget or have the tendency to forget that when we came to Jesus, we were really kind of a train wreck. I don't know about you, but my story is littered with a lot of brokenness and a lot of craziness. And Jesus was just way too good to me and rescued me out of all of that. But we have a tendency in church to forget that. And I don't know if it's picked up or even it's taught along the way, but what ends up happening is that we believe to continue in our faith journey, that we must cover up and hide any hints of wounds that once defined us. And so for most churches, unfortunately, it's become the opposite of what one of my favorite authors, Brendan Manning said. He said, church should be a hospital for sinners not a museum for saints. And it's so awesome, that word hospital, actually when you look at it in the original language, it kind of represents the word hospitality and they come from the same root word. And, And the word means a home for strangers. And it's come in our day, we know hospitals become a place of healing. But I think Brendan Manning's onto something, that the church, should be a place that welcomes the stranger and a place where people find healing. And so what I want always for this church, because I do love Peak City, is that we are a place where people who walk through the front doors always, always with the the feelings of kind of the heaviness of shame and and disgrace, the the heaviness of, of life, I want them to always find a place and to find people who will extend to them tenderness and grace. People who say, hey, you're welcome here. And we know you can find healing in this place. You know, when we hear in the gospels, the story of Joseph and Mary, as they go to have baby Jesus and there's no room in the inn, we think Motel 6, right? No vacancies, right? But this is the craziest thing. Joseph went home. These were his people. So everyone who said no to him, were probably blood relatives. They were all cousins and uncles. You see, there was no room for the shame and disgrace of Joseph's fiance who was pregnant with not his child and ready to burst. But tenderness and grace always finds room. And that's what church is at its best. And that's what we want and what I want for Peak City. And so today what we want to look at in our time together is John chapter 4, where this verse comes out of. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? What we're going to look at is how in the world can this woman make this claim? How could she go public with this hurt, these wounds that had once defined and confined her life to a certain level for so long? How could they be the things now that she would use to bring others the healing that they needed themselves? How can you and I, how can we be the kinds of people, followers of Jesus, A savior who said that he's come for those who are sick in need of a doctor. How can we make sure that we are those people who always make a home for our wounds so that those who are out in the world wounded and broken? Because I don't know about you, 
But as I look across the landscape of our communities, whether it's here or where I currently live or all across, as I talk to people and pastors, there is a lot of broken and wounded people right now. How can we make sure that we are a place that knows, hey, we see them and that there's always room for them? So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and you can open it to John chapter 4. You use a Bible app, go ahead and turn it on. And we're going to dive in starting in verse 1. And we're going to walk through uh, this story this morning. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples uh, than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well, and it was about noon. So the first thing that you got to know about this story is that word, Samaria. Okay, and Samaria is the name given to the land between Galilee to the north and Judea to the south. So if you were back in Jesus' day, if you were trying to go from one place to the other, it made the most sense— and it took the shortest amount of time. Remember, they didn't have cars and Ubers. They had to walk. Or, so it made the most time or short amount of time to just go through Samaria. But Samaria was not without its dangers. Sometimes when you were traveling through Samaria, you had the risk of being attacked. And so folks, a lot of times, they chose to go a different way. They chose to go around Samaria. Jesus himself actually had already made the trip once from Jerusalem to Galilee, and he himself went around. But this time, what does our text say in verse 4? Now he had to go through Samaria. And so there in the heat of the day, Jesus makes his way to Jacob's well. Picking back up in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, to us, this may not seem like an odd request, right? This may not seem strange, but in Jesus' day, this interaction that we're about to read about and watch unfold before us was absolutely scandalous. Like, this just doesn't happen in Jesus' day. And there's three reasons why. The first one is this. Jesus is already known as a holy man. If you read in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says, Rabbi. You see, rabbi were those who were the teachers of the law. And so Jesus already has this understanding and culture that he was living in. And so they weren't really sure of what Jesus had come to do, but they at least thought that Jesus was the man leading a movement for Israel back to God. So in this culture, a devout Jewish man, it would have been absolutely inexcusable to be alone with a woman. And if that was unavoidable, you definitely were not going to have a conversation. The risk was just too high. The risk of impurity, the risk of gossip, the risk of ultimately being drawn into immorality. And yet, Jesus initiates a conversation. You see, there are so many people in our communities who are walked past and looked down on, ignored day in and day out. 
whether it's in our schools or your workplaces or the grocery store or standing next to the highway with the sign. And it's past time for us as believers, followers of Jesus to follow the example of Jesus and begin to initiate a conversation. We can't be worried about what culture may say of us or if we are in the wrong. There are people who it's long past time to stop avoiding, to stop taking the long way around. And it's time like Jesus actually go to them. The second thing is, so not only is Jesus kind of a holy man who doesn't talk to women, this woman is a Samaritan. So ever since some of the Jewish people came back from exile and were living back in the area, Jews and Samaritans did not mix. Jews wouldn't have anything to do with Samaritans. They definitely would not have been eating and drinking with them. And one step further, they definitely would not have used the same drinking vessel. And yet here we see Jesus with nothing to draw water from. What does he do? He asked our Samaritan woman to use something that she's brought to offer Jesus a drink. You see, our prejudices and our racism, our hate, our avoidance of the other, whatever it is, whether it's white avoiding black or black avoiding brown, Christian avoiding the LGBT community, right wing avoiding left wing, rich avoiding poor, it is destroying our opportunities to see the gospel reconcile relationships. Right? We are robbing ourselves of experiencing the power of God working in our midst because guess what? We don't mix. You see, you're missing out on seeing God do something incredible by the way in which we push the other to the side. And so it's time to be like Jesus, to begin breaking down these walls that divide and to begin to see people, all people as made in the image of our holy and great God. And that that alone makes them worthy. You see, culture, it keeps telling us don't mix. Yet in the Gospels, we see story after story after story of Jesus intentionally choosing the groups everyone else was avoiding, showing us that in fact for God's people, there is a different way to be human. And so we got a woman who's a Samaritan, and if that wasn't enough, our third point is this woman, she has some sketchy things going on in her life. Well, how do we know this? How do we know that she's got a checkered past? Well, the normal time for a woman to go to the well was in the morning. You see, this well wasn't just like out the back door, right? It was some distance from the town. And so you would want to get up early in the morning and make your way to the well so that you had all the water you needed for the rest of the day. But here our woman has obviously come at a time when she hopes that no one else will be there and that she won't meet anyone, at least not anyone who knows her or her past or the lifestyle she's living. You see, the last thing she would want was to rub shoulders with the other ladies of the town. They know her. And most likely, they probably feel the same way about her. And as our story unfolds, we'll actually see that Jesus knows all of this. Yet, it's Jesus who engages her in conversation. I know two things. Number one is this. In this crowd today, there are some of you who are very much like our Samaritan woman. 
and just the fact that you're here. I just want to say thank you. I know the courage that it takes to come into a church sometimes because of whether the pain that you've experienced for visit other churches is really strong for you. And I know, and you know, that you've done everything you can to actually avoid church people because you feel that shame and that weight of guilt because again of the choices that maybe you made and have been making or the choices that were made for you. But this is what I know too. You are at the end of your rope and you are desperate. And somebody or something is telling you that this is a place where you can find healing. I know you try to come in and you try to slide in a little bit late. You try to slide out a little bit early so that no one can see you and no one can talk to you and no one can actually get to know you. Can I beg you to do this today? Stop and have the conversation. The pastors here that I know at Peak City are some of the most godly people that I've ever met. And they want nothing more for you than to help you experience the freedom and the healing that you're in need of. The second thing is this, church. Like we should be sickened for what we're known for. This is Big C Church. The people in our community, people who are wounded and broken, don't think they can find healing in our midst. That they can only find judgmentalism. And so, we should, like in the Old Testament, tear our clothes, place sackcloth and ashes on us, and go into the middle of our cities and wail and lament and beg God, beg God not to be done with us. Beg God to forgive us that we actually will be a better way. We have got to be better. Like I said, there are so many people in our midst who are literally broken and falling apart, but they don't think that they can come to church. This should be the place that they always come. And so here's Jesus and this woman. They begin to have this conversation. Picking back up in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his son and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And so many of the interactions in the gospels with Jesus and people, you can see like the misunderstanding happening in real time. Like Jesus is talking about things on a, what we call a heavenly level. And our understanding is limited to like an earthly level, right? But the awesome thing is that Jesus has come to bring heaven to earth. And so he wants to clear up misunderstandings. And so here the confusion in our text is on the word, words, living water. You see, this was a regular phrase that was used in Jesus's day. So in our world, this is what we would call fresh water or maybe water in a stream or a river rather than a pool or a well. This water would more likely be clean because it hadn't been sitting in a pool becoming stagnant. But what we know is Jesus just isn't talking about water. He's talking about 
new life. You see, Jesus is referring to the new light that he is now offering to anyone. Anyone, no matter what their gender, their geography, their racial, or their moral background. That this water is available to any and all who would reach out to take a drink. That any of you, that no matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter what your past is littered with, Jesus is showing up to say, hey, I got this water for you. And I want to offer you a drink. And he says two things happen. The first one is this. He says, you'll never be thirsty again. How many of us are thirsty? In fact, some of you are dying of thirst. You've tried everything. And you keep trying everything to quench your thirst. But nothing is working. And so every day, you keep going back to that thing or this new thing because inside you are just dying. Well, Jesus says, I've, I've got something for you. And not only does it quench your thirst, he says it becomes in you a spring welling up to new life. Like some of you, man, Jesus is offering you the opportunity to trade out that old, broken, nasty life and replace it with his new resurrection life. This life that God is making in the new world is available to you here and now. You don't have to just keep doing the same things and experiencing the same brokenness. And so our woman, I'm sure she's confused, but she's like, hey, give me that water. I don't want to be thirsty again. And then she says something I think is really interesting. She says, also, I won't have to come back here and draw water anymore. You see, I, I think she goes, you know what? This is an opportunity for me not to have to experience the pain and the shame of the looks that she thinks if she can take out this part of her day, she can ignore all of the things that are causing her all the shame and pain. If people aren't looking at me, then I won't feel it, then it doesn't exist. And there's a lot of us like that. There's a lot of us who think that we can take the cheap fix, that we can bypass the pain and everything will be all right. But she learns what we must all learn, that if you take Jesus seriously, then the living water that he has to offer, it's available. But if you dare to drink it, church, it will change every area of your life. Verse 16 picks back up. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now have is not your husband. What you had said is quite, is quite true. And there it is. That if you want to take Jesus up on his offer of running pure water bubbling up inside of you, you have got to get rid of the stale, moldy, stagnant water that you've been living off of all this time. For her, it's her married life or unmarried life. What is it for you? What's the thing that you, you keep trying to go back to, to find meaning and purpose? What's the thing that's actually destroying your life, but you can't imagine not living without it? You see, you've tried time and time and time again to change, but nothing has worked. And so you think you're going to experience this your whole life. 
And so to experience the healing that is really needed, Jesus has to get in there and he's got to open up that wound. And I know it's painful and I know it's a lot easier just to ignore it. And I know that there's so much pain wrapped up and involved with whatever the thing is, but to heal it, you got to let Jesus have it. You see, because Jesus sees right through her and right through us to what's really going on. We don't know a lot here, and really that's the case with so many of us. The thing that we see is just the tip of the iceberg for the deeper wounds that lie beneath. It may have been the five marriages or failed marriages that we see, that's what's visible. But what do we not see? We don't see the emotional trauma that may have been possible for her in her background that made it difficult to form lasting bonds. We don't see if it was her sin or the sins of others that were the root behind this broken relationship. And on and on we could go. But what we do know is our woman in our story, her life is a mess. And she knows it. And now she knows that Jesus knows it too. You see, I don't know the wounds you're carrying. We can see some external wounds on all of us. But the stuff that's buried deep behind all the walls and all the excuses, that's the stuff that Jesus wants at. Those are the wounds that the living water longs to bring healing to. And so, so many of you have come to this point, you've been at this point a whole lot, and you keep hearing Jesus offer living water, and you keep hearing that you could be healed, and you keep getting right up to the point of maybe actually saying yes, and you do like our woman does. And you change the subject. You see, that's what happens. It got real. Jesus begins to dig into her life. And at the moment it becomes super uncomfortable, this is what she says. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You see that moment that Jesus begins to pick out the sore spot of your life. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're here. And you've been here. We begin to change the subject and talk about anything else. But what I love is as you look through the dialogue in the next few verses, all the excuses, all of the things, they don't chase Jesus away. He leans in. It doesn't matter how many times we keep trying to change the subject. Jesus keeps showing up and leaning in and offering you a drink. And I love that in this case, Jesus tells her that the one that everyone is searching for, the one that they heard their whole life was coming, is actually him. Like this is an incredible statement that he reveals to a woman who has a train wreck of a life. It wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't all the people who you think Jesus would answer the question to. He tells this woman who he is. In verse 25, this is what happens. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Like that person you're waiting for. That, That person you've been longing to come is the person who's asking you if you want to take a drink. You see, the question is, when standing face to face with Jesus, the one whose mission was to make all wrongs in the world right, including for you, is will you drink? 
That's what you got to answer. Because if and when you choose to finally say yes to Jesus, those things that have been keeping you trapped for so long begin to be redeemed. And I love how our story shifts. Not only are they redeemed for me, I begin to be able and you begin to be able to use these things to actually bring other people to experience the healing that Jesus wants to bring them to. So back when we first started, verses 28 through 30, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come, could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. My goodness, what a fan. All she did was tell her story. She told her story and people said, I want it. The story that they knew too, that that story, the story that she tried to avoid talking to people about, the story that put her at a well at noon, that was the story that she told them. So when the Samaritans continued on in verse 40, when came to him, to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of this, uh, because of his words, many more became believers. I love how it ends. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Like here is this woman who like an hour ago, y'all, is a social outcast who literally was trying to figure a way to eke out daily existence and daily living. Like she got no hope. She's trapped. Her life is a train wreck. And now she's the first ever evangelist of the people of Samaria. Like, I love that story, and I love the ending. They go, hey, I don't need to hear your words anymore. I've seen for myself. I know this Jesus you're talking about now, and now I believe. That's what we have the opportunity and the capabilities to do, that you have the opportunity to tell people your story and get them to the feet of Jesus. And then they have the opportunity to hear, and their lives can begin to be changed. You see, when we make a room for our own woundedness, those with wounds will be cherished by us. And we'll point them to the one in whom we found our own healing. There was a man that ended up becoming a part of our church in Louisiana. It took a long time to get there, though. My first interaction with Kevin was a really, really rough one. You saw each month, the last Sunday of the month, we would have a meal. And not a meal where we'd serve food, but a meal where we'd sit down like a family and we'd eat around a table. You see, there's something really powerful about coming around a table and eating. But for so many, if you hadn't done it in a while, it was really, really difficult. And so, Long after the laughter had stopped and all the food had been spoken for, Kevin pops his head in the door. You see, I could tell right away that Kevin, who was only wearing a bath sheet or a bed sheet as a toga robe, so to speak, was battling some sort of mental illness mixed with heavy drug use. Now I told him like I had told so many before him that he missed out. But it was okay, we do this every month. Come back, we've always got a place for you. But those in the midst of addictions don't usually respond well. 
And so as is the case, Kevin got really angry and he began to curse at me. And he began to accuse me of not letting him in because I was a racist. You see, Kevin was a black man. You see, the moment he said that, it angered me, probably way more than it should. You see, you may not be able to tell, but I'm mixed. So my dad's black and mom is white. So there is, an, there is a lot of things you can call me, but a racist is, is just not one of them. But so it's in these moments though, that I and we have to learn to catch ourselves. You see, I, I didn't know Kevin. And in fact, he just didn't know me. But so often our responses in these moments, they're infirm, informed by hurt and pain. And so again, the only thing I could do was tell him that I was sorry. But if he came back, he was always welcome. You see, it takes time. Jesus's way isn't easy, but it's always good. It always longs to see past the outer exterior to the goodness that is trapped by the darkness. Fast forward a few months and Kevin has been in and out, sometimes sober, sometimes not. Sometimes we just grab coffee and a donuts. A lot of times to slip out right before church would begin. And so here he is back. He's not sober this time. That's okay. People knew that, hey, you don't have to clean up to come to our place. Our church was going to be true to its name. Our church was named Refuge Church. We just wanted people to know that they always had a place and that God said that they could come. And so Kevin came. And he's sitting at some tables in the front. I'm standing behind the bar. I'm serving coffee and getting donuts. This is where I just chatted with folks. And I see out of the corner of my eye, Kevin gets up and he starts running at me. And I see his hand raised and he chucks what is a baggie that has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it whizzes past my head and it slams into the cabinets and Kevin keeps running and goes right out the doorways. Now, again, I'm no saint. My knee-jerk reaction was I was angry. <laughs> that was hot. And my church folks, like they were mad too. Like they were mad that somebody took a shot at their pastor with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? But I assured them, hey, there's no need to make an issue. There's no need to get worked up. You see, I had a chance to tell them we all had moments that could be used to exclude us from being there as well. And fast forward to six or so months later, I hadn't seen Kevin in a little bit. That's not uncommon. And he shows up. And he walks in the door. But this time, Kevin has a suit on and his hair is done. And we kind of lock eyes and Kevin begins to walk towards me. Now, two interactions and there were some others littered in there weren't awesome. And so I had no clue what to expect. And I catch eyes with him and he looks at me and he just said, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah. So I slide out from behind the bar and I grab his hand and I put my hand on his shoulder and I look him in the eyes because I see him. And before we pray, I just say, hey man, could you tell me your name? You see, up until that point, almost a year probably, I had no clue what his name was. 
None of our interactions had gotten to the place where I could see him and he could see me. But finally, we made it to the place where I didn't see the brokenness and the addictions and the shame. I just saw the man who needed Jesus. And so we prayed and I put my hand on his shoulders after we were done. I said, hey man, so glad you're here. So glad you're a part of this place. You're welcome here. Hope you hang out with us for a while. And he did. In the months to come, Kevin started interacting with people. It wasn't some big change, right? It's not some magical moment. It's not Hollywood. Life is really difficult and it's really messy. But I saw Kevin. And I saw him begin to laugh with people. And I saw him begin to pray with people. And I believe more than anything that he found healing. I believe that he came face to face with a God who came to offer Kevin a drink. And Kevin also along the way, he met some people, our church people, who each week just kept showing up and just kept sharing their story of their own wounds and their own brokenness and their healing. And so Kevin met the Messiah. And I believe with all of my heart that he was able to begin to heal those wounds that were so deep within. And the story of Kevin and so many others like him that we have the opportunity to pastor. It reminds me again of what author Greg Bull says. He says, we don't all arrive at the same understanding at the same moment. So we might as well wait for folks. As much as we would want to accelerate everything and get folks to the moment of truth more quickly, people need to take their sweet time to enter rehab, to break the chains of addictions, to leave the abusive relationships, to come to name the abuses done to them as a child, to find the words to express the brokenness of their lives. It takes time. For some, it's right away. But for others, it takes months and years and maybe decades. But what we do is we just keep opening the door. We just keep letting the wounded come in this place. And we believe because the gospel tells us that once people meet and encounter Jesus, they don't need my story anymore. They can experience themselves, the one, right, who has come, the one who has come for them, the one who has come so that they could experience the presence of the one who makes all things right. And so Peak City, here's your job. I need each and every one of you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, to keep running into town like our Samaritan woman and to keep telling people, about the healing that you've experienced because of Jesus. And when you do that, it's not gonna be easy. It's definitely gonna get messy. People won't understand it. They'll think that this church has lost their mind, but we have an opportunity to make sure that the wounded in our community, I know that you see them. I know that you drive by them. I know that you have experiences and relationships with them. Each and every day, I know that you know they need Jesus. And all you need to do is run and tell them your story. Come, meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. Come find the healing. Come find freedom that's only found in Jesus, 
And just maybe, just maybe during that process, Jesus will keep healing some of your wounds too. Let's stand and let's respond. Let's worship together this morning. And I love that you guys always offer an opportunity to say yes some way to Jesus, to respond because God's word is powerful and it's true and it always should drive us to action. Not should we just hear it, but we got to do something about it. So go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. And the first thing is we're just going to ask that I always know that in rooms, there may be someone who does not know Jesus, someone who has not experienced living water. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is offering you a drink today. And so if that's you, if you're ready for the first time to say yes and take that first step with Jesus, on the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand in the air. One, two, three. Yes, so good. Man, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I also know in this place that there are some of you who've got some really deep wounds. And you may have said yes to Jesus, but you have not ever let him get to that place. And there are things that you carry that no one knows anything about. It's been years and decades, and you carry this shame and weight and it's heavy on you. Jesus is offering you today an opportunity to heal that. But you've got to let him in. You can't change the subject. You can't run from it. You've got to just walk in and say, all right, Jesus, you can have it. And so there are some of you who need to do that today. You need to have the conversation, whether that's with a pastor or a spouse or a friend, whoever it is. And you need to lay some things at the foot of the cross. And so if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand after I count to three. One, two, three. Yes, yes, Lord, yes. God, you see these people. Father, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for this place. I'm grateful, God, for you. I'm grateful that no matter who we are, no matter our background or our, our story, no matter our sins, God, no matter if we show up to a church in a bath sheet, that you say yes that you keep leaning in, you keep offering us a drink that will lead to new life. God, there are people in this place today dying of thirst and they're saying, I want, I want a drink. I'm tired of doing this my way. God, thank you for that courage. Thank you, Spirit, for the conviction, God, for those who have these deep wounds. God, may today be a step to healing. May they just continue to have the courage to not let Satan Whisper to them all the lies. God, for the rest of us, may we just keep running into town and just keep telling people about this man named Jesus who has changed our lives. God, thank you for Peak City Church. Pray a prayer of blessing over this place. God, what they are doing in Colorado Springs is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Don't let anything stop it, God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service, and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.